Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henman. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. So our text tonight is Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 30. Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 30. Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 30. The message title is Lead Like Jesus. Lead Like Jesus. I'm always the last one there to give you some extra time, so hopefully you found it. Luke chapter 22, verse 24, it begins. It begins with a dispute. (laughs) A dispute... Also, that is, you know, just for our remembrance and to remind us where we've been since the holidays in our study of Luke, we remember that we left off where Jesus was having a very intimate moment with his disciples. And, and so, listen, they were celebrating the, the Passover dinner together. And, and you remember that Jesus instituted the very first communion. And also at that time, he was talking to them about what was coming and he was always talking to them about that we remember that is he was saying listen it's not going to go like you think it's going to go uh the, the kingdom is not coming right now i first must suffer and die before i come back again but the disciples they're they're, they're not getting it it's going over their heads and and then in this conversation, he adds one more little tidbit of information. And he says, by the way, one of you is going to betray me. And so the disciples, they begin to have a discussion with one another. Like, you know, who is it, man? Is it you? Is it me? Who is the betrayer in our midst? And, and so ultimately, that discussion, well, well, by the way, I think it's interesting that they didn't know, don't you? That they didn't know who the betrayer was. I mean, we, we tend to think that, you know, Judas, or if you see movies or pictures, you know, Judas had a black hat, you know, and he has shifty eyes, you know, and we could pick him out of the lineup. Yeah, he's the greasy haired dude with the shifty eyes. That's him right there, right? But, but listen, only Jesus could see through the facade of Judas. That is, Judas looked like the real deal. He talked like the real deal. They thought he was a genuine disciple. They they didn't know who it was. And listen, that's, that's kind of instructive for us today as well. It's actually something that we have to come to grips with today, and it's not easy we understand the concept, but it's a lot harder when a face gets attached to the concept. And that is this. The Bible says that Satan comes as an angel of light. And so ultimately, his agents, his people that are influenced by him, come as angels of light as well. They don't come with the shifty eyes and the black hat. They, they come looking like good guys, like good gals. They come looking like real followers of Jesus, talking like real followers of Jesus. And we often 
don't recognize who they are until they betray us. That is, here's something you can write down. And if you've lived a while, you've probably felt it. You've experienced it. And that is this. You've never really been had until you've been had by a fellow Christian. From that, that person who calls you brother. From that person that calls you sister. And that is an extremely deep wound. And it will test your faith. Let me say this as well, because this is really, really important. It is essential when you walk through that because it's a deep wound. It can be certain, depending on the depth of the betrayal, depending on the depth of the evil done to you or someone you love. Because Satan's nasty, right? It is essential that we release that person to God. It is absolutely essential that you let God make that right. That you let God be the righteous judge in that situation. That you let Him vindicate that situation for you. The Bible says, vindication is mine, says the Lord. And so God says to you and me, listen, that's my job, not your job. You release that person to me. You let me be the just judge. You're not gonna, your heart's wicked. You're, you're not going to judge that rightly. Listen, let me take care of it. Let me make it right. You know, I, I'm just, not only that, I have more resources than you do. And so we release that person to God and then we forgive them. And so it looks like this, you know, God, I, you know, I, I release this person to you. You know, you know the situation, you know it was evil, you know it wasn't right. But, but God, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to get them back. I'm, I'm not going to try to fix this. I release it to you. I, I release them to you. You vindicate it, Lord. You judge this rightly. You make it right in your time, in your way. I I leave this person, I leave this situation, I leave this, this, this equation that needs to be made right into your hand. And then I, I, I choose to forgive them, Lord, because you command me to. And because you have forgiven me, I will never have to forgive them more than you've forgiven me. My sin put you on the cross. My treachery to you was forgiven, and therefore I can forgive them as well. And so we release them, and we forgive them. And listen, you do that as many times as it takes, and it takes more time, you know, and more frequently, the deeper the hurt. But you do it as many times as it takes until you feel no more pain, until you feel no more twinge, until you have no more like angst or, you know, uh, any kind of grudge, nothing. Your, your heart is completely free. When you think of that person or you bump into them at Kishman's, there's nothing there. So you go through that process until you are completely, completely free. Because here's the deal. You need Christ reigning over your heart and over your mind. You need his life. 
You need his joy. You need his peace. You need his power. You need his presence in your life. But listen, if you allow resentment, you allow hurt, you allow anger, you allow bitterness, you allow a grudge to hang in there, you will cut off God in your life. You are quenching the Holy Spirit. And not only that, you are making a beachhead for Satan to rule over your thoughts and mind and actually destroy you and the ones you love through that avenue of bitterness. Well, it continues here. Verse 24 again. A dispute also arose among them as, as to which one of them was to be regarded as the what? The greatest. The goat. <laughs> now, never mind that Jesus is right there. You know, let's talk about who's the greatest, right? That is their discussion about, you know, just trying to figure out who was the betrayer spiraled out of control to a debate, an argument about who was the greatest. Now, what we see here is an amazing picture of Jesus' patience. How amazingly patient Jesus is with us. How forbearing he is. How selfless he is. Because listen, you know, Jesus is communicating some really, really important stuff here to the disciples. And they're not listening. They're not getting it. I mean, Jesus doesn't have much time left. He has downloaded himself into these guys. This is his A-team. He's poured his life out of them. And, and, and they're not listening. They're not getting it. Listen, personally, he is bearing an incredible weight of ministry. In fact, in only a few hours, he is literally going to bear the sin of the entire world. And his disciples have no clue. No clue what their leader is going through, what he is facing. And they're just arguing about who's the greatest. You know, they're, they're off mission. They're not listening. <laughs> they're focused and concerned about all the wrong things. And yet Jesus forbears with them and he corrects them and he instructs them and and he continues to lead and guide them i think the question comes for us is you know how how often how often do we um kind of check out on god and and we're so unaware of his consistent grace and mercy and faithfulness in our lives what he is bearing for us, how much he is protecting us from that we can't even see and we just take for granted, how much his grace is over our lives and we just take it for granted because we don't even understand what the spiritual conflict is. How often do we just kind of check out on God's word and it just kind of ricochets off our hearts or ricochets 
off our mind. It just it, it doesn't find that good soil. It doesn't find that good root where we where we hear him and we're just you know, we get off mission. We we start, you know, trying to live for ourselves and, and trying to accumulate things here. We just, we just get off focus on what this life is about. And we're not, we're not really hearing what God is saying. We're not really hearing what he is trying to call us to and, and the better life he is trying to get us to live. And, and we're just concerned and consumed about all the wrong things. That, that can't give us life, that, that can't help us. And, and yet Jesus is so good to us, isn't he? he? He just forbears with us. He is so selfless. He, he just continues to gently instruct us and call us back to himself, lift us back up, breathe his life back into us. Speak his truth to us once again until we actually hear him and get it. Interesting. Uh, so what does Jesus' leadership here with his disciples, how, how does Jesus' example here instruct us in, in, in our leadership? Think about that. Think about how, you know, Jesus led his disciples here, how that impacts how you parent your kids. How, how patient and gentle and repetitive we need to be with them. And, and listen, not take out our own pressures, the things that are on our mind, the, the load that is on our hearts that we don't, allow that to seep into how we behave towards them. Jesus had all the stress, all the pressure of the world bearing down on him, and, and, and he didn't give any of that to the disciples. He responded in patience and, and love and again, again with disciples who we're so blind and so hard to hear. He just continued to be patient with them, continued to pour out his life, invest in them to the very last breath that he had. How does that impact how we parent, how, how selfless we should be, how we should protect the hearts of our kids from what we're going through? Listen, mom and dad, you, you need to process that with the Lord. You need to create a, an environment that exalts Jesus in your home. And, and you need to be Jesus to your kids, man. And even when it comes to boundaries, you know, if there's stuff that you need to talk about, you need to not talk about it in front of your kids. Jesus didn't talk about everything to his disciples. Well, how does that impact, you know, our, our leadership in, in the workforce or as a boss, you know, in terms of how we should be patient and how we should instruct, how we should correct, how, how we should be willing to forbear when, when people come up short? Or, you know, how does that look like in terms of being a ministry leader, of shepherding people, in terms of 
What, what, what kind of life investment are you talking about? What kind of selflessness and sacrifice are you talking about that you're putting others first when you have all of this on your plate, you are giving yourself for their benefit? What does Jesus' example teach us about what it means to truly lead? To give of ourselves, to give of our life for the equipping, for the benefit of others. I would want to challenge everyone in this room, but especially those who are my age. Listen, we need to pass on an active, humble faith to the next generation. We need to invest ourselves to our last breath. We need to give of ourselves. We need to sacrifice and build into the next generation so that faith goes forward. That's, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And, and so I would challenge you um, to be selfless like Jesus. To, to take whatever breath you have, whatever you know, time that you have, and listen, let's, let's pour ourselves into the next generation. Let's, let, let's raise up, listen, some warriors for Christ. So we, they need to know that they can have victory in Christ in a broken world. They need to know that Jesus will always be with them and he will carry them through whatever they have to have to face. And listen, we need to live that out as well. We, we need to not only tell them, we need to live it in front of them so they see, yep, Jesus is greater. I've seen it in, in my dad. I've seen it in my granddad. I've seen it at that person at church. I, I know what Jesus can do. Verse 25. And he, that is, Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise what? Lordship over them. And that is to say this, you know, the world exercises authority with a certain style. And that style is ultimately all about exalting self, right? You know, I, I'm the boss. I'm the one in charge. You know, you exist for me. You're here to serve me. You're here to do my agenda. You're here to make me comfortable. It is about me. Verse 25, again. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and, and those in authority over them are called what? benefactors. Now, the idea of benefactors here in the Greek, the, the word means getting credit. And so here's the deal. A lot of people don't serve unless they get the proper credit, <laughs> unless they get the proper recognition, right? They're not going to do it unless there's something in it for them. And so that is the real motivation behind why many people serve, listen, in the church, outside the church. But this mentality of having to serve because there's something in it for me, 
is extremely, extremely dangerous in ministry. We can't have it in the church. We can't have it in our homes. We can't serve because there's something in it for me. Because listen, I'm lonely. Or, you know what, I need validation. Or, I need purpose. I need meaning. I need you to affirm me. I get something out of this. I, I... Versus, versus, I'm, I'm secure in Christ. My fulfillment comes from my relationship with Jesus. I, I'm fully loved and accepted by Jesus. He is my joy. He is my life. And so now from a position of security in Christ, now I can sincerely love you. And listen, whether you like me in that moment or don't like me in that moment, doesn't matter. I'm, I'm still just going to sincerely love you and serve you. And so then my motivation is, listen, I love you, and I'm living for the glory of God. I'm not looking for anything back. Now, listen, when you do do that, you, when you live in line with God, it feels good. It does. Not, not always. Sometimes when you're unpopular, it don't feel good. But ultimately, in your core, even when you're unpopular and doesn't feel good, you know and Jesus knows you have a thing and you're okay. If you're doing the right thing. But it's extremely dangerous when people lead with that motive because ultimately it is about them. And it manifests itself in all kinds of different ways depending on the person. You know, it, it can come out in kind of a turf mentality. You know, have you ever tried to break into a ministry that somebody's in charge of? It's like, it's my turf, man, don't, don't touch it. Uh, they can be easily uh, offended or unteachable because they're insecure, because it, it's about them. You're, you're threatening them. They can be extremely prideful because, listen, it's not ultimately about the glory of Jesus. It's not ultimately about doing what's really best for you. It's really about how do I look. It can come out in manipulation because, again, it's about me getting people to follow me and do what I want them to do. And so however it manifests, the ultimate problem is, is that is that person who is not secure in Christ, they can't really sincerely love people. They, they use people. They, they use people for their own success in ministry or whatever, in their program. They, they use people for their own agenda. They, they use people for whatever personal need, whatever void in their heart that they're trying to fill that only Christ should be filling. That goes for your family as well, right? I, I tell you guys this often. My best gift to you is my relationship with Jesus Christ. My get, best gift to my wife is my relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Because when I'm secure in Christ, then listen, I'm going to love her and serve her. I don't, I don't need her to give back to me. It's great that she does. She does, and it's wonderful. But I'm not looking for that. Does that make sense? Verse 25, or 26, excuse me. Jesus goes on to say, but, but not so with you. That is, you know, Jesus-style leadership is not like that. And so his disciples-style leadership is not to look like that. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the what? youngest. And so here's the idea here in the ancient world. It was just kind of understood and accepted that with age came privileges. And so the youngest by definition here culturally is the lowliest. And so what Jesus is saying, listen, you want to be great in my kingdom. He's, he's flipping the world's idea of leadership on its head, and he's saying, listen, greatness in my kingdom is exactly the opposite. You, you want to be great in, in, in my kingdom, which is eternal, which is greater than the world's kingdom, that will conquer the world's kingdom. You want to be great in my kingdom. Seek to be the lowliest. And let me lift you up in due time. Verse 26 continues. And the leader as one who serves. That is again, you know, Jesus came to serve, not be served, right? He, he taught this, but listen, he, he lived it. He, he not only taught that we should have that mentality, he, he totally lived that mentality. And it, it, it's amazing to me that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, could stoop so, so low to us. Yeah, it's amazing. And so again, God's kingdom, God's kingdom is about not exalting ourselves. If you ever find yourself promoting yourself, you need to stop. Just catch your tongue, ask forgiveness, and say, man, I, I don't have to defend myself. I don't need to promote myself, Lord. I, 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 I put it in yours. I, you exalt me however, whenever you want. Paul said, I've learned that I am to be content in whatever circumstance, in lack or in plenty. Lord, listen, I'm going to pray for things, but Lord, I accept whatever you say is good and best for me. Verse 27. For who is the greater? One who reclines at table or, you know, the one who serves. Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But then Jesus says, I am among you as the one who what? Who serves. That is, the world says, you know, sit at the table and be served. <laughs> Jesus says, I, I look for every possible opportunity to serve. And so here's the question tonight. 
How's your serving as a disciple of Jesus Christ? How's your serving? How are you serving in your home? How are you serving your wife or your husband? How are you serving your kids? How are you serving the body of Christ? How, how are you serving the church? Listen, are you looking for every opportunity to serve or are you looking for every opportunity to get out of it? Or, you know, let someone else do it. You know, I, I'll let my wife bear the brunt on that one. Yeah, I'll just kind of ignore it. Or in the church, you know, hey, I'll, I'll sign up, but I won't show up. Hey, I want everybody to know, you know, I want to look good, but hey, I'm not going to show up consistently. How are your motivations in serving? It's not only what we do. Jesus takes it further than that. So how is your serving? What are you doing? But then how are your motivations in serving? Are you keeping your, your heart in check? And, and so that's a daily thing, right? Anybody? Is it a daily thing? That's a daily thing where, listen, every day, every day I have to get up and, and I have to subdue my pride. And I have to subdue my selfishness. And I have to crucify my flesh because my flesh wants to eat donuts and not do nothing. The whole box of donuts. <laughs> uh, shoot. I have to crucify my flesh and then listen, then I need to be filled with the Spirit so that I'm walking in the power of God and then I, I need to fill my mind with God's truth. If, if my mind is not filled with His truth, then listen, my, my heart and my mind is out of alignment. I'm not seeing things right. I'm not doing things right. I'm not thinking right. I have to be filled with the Spirit. And then I have to fill my mind with God's Word because He speaks to me and He orients my heart and He helps me to see what He's saying to me for that day. And so then, then when I'm done with that, now I can go out in Christ's love and love you with Christ's love, and love you according to His truth. And then listen, you are built up in Christ. I am built up in Christ. And we bear the fruits of His kingdom. We've got to start walking as the children of God. Church. We, we, we've got to start walking by the Spirit. We've got to start walking by His truth. There is no shortcut to these things. And, and listen, we won't bear good fruit. We won't feel His power and His presence. We won't see His provision and favor if we're not walking with Him. And I think too often what we do is we kind of put on His clothes of righteousness when we come in here and then when we go out, we just kind of take them off and we put on our, our flesh and we're really just kind of calling the shots in our lives. We may not be doing anything awful, but we're, we're just kind of doing our own thing and we're, 
we're kind of remaining in control and even arguing with God how we want things to go. And, you know, I, God, I want my dream to look like this. God, I, I want my life to look like it. God, I need you to move like this versus, listen, I, I have the opportunity to pray. Listen, you tell me to pray. You tell me to believe in Jesus' name. But ultimately, Lord, I want your dream. I want your plan. I want your best blessing because you know better than me. I, I said it this way a month ago, and I, I, it, it helps me keep my heart in the right place. That is, we are totally dependent on God's deliverance, but we are secure in His sovereignty. Listen, I fight with zealousness for God to move in faith in Jesus Christ's name, but at some point, I'm tired at the end of the day, at the end of the night, and at some point, I've got to go to bed. At some point, I've got to be able to say, okay, God, now I've, I've fought zealously. I think the, the word tells me to do that, to pray with all my might, to pray zealously, to pray in faith. I'm, I'm going to fight, but then I, I need to rest. I, 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 I can't, I'm not in control. God is. He, he'll be up all night. I don't need to be. I, I'm, now I need to rest in him. I, I need to release it to him. I, I need to claim, you know, Philippians 4, where it says, do not be anxious about anything, but pray but in, everything by, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I, I'm going to end my day that way. So it's like, you know, I fought, I fought the good fight, but now, now I'm going to rest in my Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm going to rest as his child. I'm going to rest in his sovereignty. Does that make sense? That, that helps me. I'm going to fight for his deliverance. I'm going to believe in his deliverance. And then I'm going to rest. And I think we need to be able to do that. Oh, boy, that was a rabbit trail. I hope that made sense. But Verse 28. Jesus says, you are those who have stayed with me in what? My trials. Now, that's very interesting. You know, Jesus went through trials. <laughs> and so you might stay here tonight, you know, I get that. I'm in a trial right now myself. <laughs> and so the reality is, is that we will go through trials in a fallen world. It's just the way it is, this side of heaven. And, and so listen, you are either in a trial or you're coming out of a trial or you're about to go in one. I, I'm sorry, but those are the realities. And so here's what we need to understand about our trials. We must drill this down, my fellow brothers and sisters. Know this. It's a given that we have trials. But listen, here's the first thing we need to understand. God is not picking on you. When you go through a trial, when you hit an obstacle you can't overcome, when you go through dark days, we, we tend to ask, why is this happening to me? This is weird. Why, why is this happening to me? This is, this is strange. This, life's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this hard. Isn't that what we do? Well, listen, God very clearly reveals to us, listen, that's a wrong expectation. That's a wrong expectation. I have to rebuke myself all the time because that's my natural response. God very clearly tells us in 1 Peter 4.12, take a look on the screen. He says, beloved, 
Now, let me stop there. You're, you're beloved. That is, you are fully loved and accepted by God. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to the beloved. You who are fully loved and accepted by God. Beloved, do not be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you to test you as though some strange thing was happening to you. Listen, God's not picking on you. This is not a strange thing that is happening to you. We all go through it. We all face it. So that's the first thing. We need to have our expectations right. That You know what? I'm, I'm not being picked on here. I don't have it worse than everybody else. All that stuff. Life isn't supposed to be different. All that, all that is lies of the enemy to get you not to trust your father and get you to accuse him that he is not good to you. That he doesn't love you. Here's the second thing we need to understand. We need to understand, number one, that God isn't picking on us. But second, we need to understand that God is always with us. That he will never leave us or forsake us. That, listen, we have the victory in Christ to overcome every single trial that comes into our lives. Whatever trial that you face, that I face in this life, Jesus says, you have the victory to overcome it. That is, all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. That is, you have his power. You have his grace. You have his presence. You have his provision in every single trial that you will face. Listen, no matter how long it is, no matter how dark it is, no matter how uh, difficult it is, no matter how evil it is, and it can be scary and evil. You have the victory to overcome it in Jesus Christ. You need to know that. You need to believe that so that God carries you through it or delivers you from it. That will always happen. He will deliver you from it if you can't handle it, or he will carry you through it and make you stronger on the other side. You have the victory for every trial that you will face in Christ. Take a look on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10.13 teaches us that. It says, no temptation. By the way, in the Greek, um, that's the same word as trial. It, it's translated trial in 1 Peter 4. It's the same word, though, here. It's translated temptation. It means both, to tempt, to try. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. That is, we're all in the same boat. You're not getting picked on. It's all common. You're not going to go through something that somebody else hasn't been through. That is not common to man. God is faithful. God is faithful to you. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. That is, if, if you're going to fail, he will deliver you out. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You have victory in Christ for any trial, any temptation that you face.
face in your life. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply every need of yours in according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Again, you have God's power. You have His provision. You have His presence to overcome, to make it through, to be the victor in every single trial that you walk through in this life. We need to know that. Or you will give up. Listen, you will either trust how you feel. You will trust the darkness of the circumstance. You will trust the snake of an enemy of Satan screaming in your ear that it is dark and there is no hope. Or you will believe in Jesus. You will believe the Word of God that He came down to earth as a human, that He speaks His Word directly to you and says, don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you feel. Have faith in my Word and what I say is true. And listen, friends, if we will do that, we will walk in victory until we see His face. We only lose when we take our eyes off of Jesus. We only lose when we stop believing His beautiful Word to us. Isaiah 41.10, it's not on the screen. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my right hand. Verse 29. And I sign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom. That you may eat and drink at my table, in my kingdom. Yeah, that, that's where I want to eat. That, that, that's the kingdom I want to be in. And sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus is saying, listen, um, I will give you position. I will give you authority. I will lift you up in due time if you don't exalt yourself. That is what he's saying to these 12 disciples. And he's saying, ultimately, listen, uh, you are going to be uh, over judging Israel in the new kingdom. And we, you remember, if, well, you probably don't remember, but when we went through Revelation, in Revelation 21, verse 14, it tells us that the disciples' names are on the foundation of the new Jerusalem city. I don't know if you remember that or not. All that to say this. Being a servant of God does not mean that you're not rewarded. Quite the opposite. Some people teach that. What a shame. Quite the opposite. God's greatest servants get his greatest rewards. And listen, I, I, I want to be that. I fall miserably short. Let me throw that in. I want to be that. That's, that's, I want to let God lift me up. I, whenever and however that means, only in eternity, whatever. I, I want to live for him. There's nothing else worth giving my life for. 
Listen, there's only two things we're taking into eternity. What we do for Christ and people. That's it. All the rest is going to burn. So let's follow Jesus together. Let, let's lead like Jesus. Let's serve one another like Jesus. Let's advance his kingdom until he comes. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.